Kennedy Street, please visit Kennedy Street at www.kennedystreetcio.org. Recovery does exist. Well, it's lovely to see you, Kerry. Um, I'll introduce you formally. This is Kerry, the lovely Kerry Hyam from, um, well, I know you from Barrow because that's where I, I, I met you last. But yeah. you live in Morecambe, don't you? I live in Hesham. Oh, Hesham, okay. Yes, yeah, so it's just a little village. It's just um, to the left of Morecambe, so a little village right at the end of the, the promenade. So yeah. Beautiful. And you're one of the directors of, um, of the Well Communities, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And where are you now with the well communities? You're in Lancaster, Barrow yeah. and Furness. Lancaster, Morecambe, Barrow, Liverpool, Central Lancashire, which includes Preston, Chorley, Leyland, and then um, Fleetwood. Yeah, Fleetwood as well as Lancaster and Morecambe. So, yeah, quite wow. a lot. Wow amazing that's fantastic coverage well done and um so obviously our our chat today is about about you and about how this all came about and you were just explaining there about um the picture behind you do you want to tell me tell me about that picture okay so this is Lancaster Castle so this is where David um my husband um founder founder of the well um this is where he did his um last prison sentence and um it was kind of like his saving grace, really. I think the community feel um, that was within the prison wing. Um, just the people that were in there, the support that he got, you know, he was introduced to a 12-step programme, um, but also became hugely aware of the the, the kind of, the, the gaps, really, in services, because he kept seeing that many men coming back. So when he got to the point of being, you know, ready for recovery, you know, they'd be sending people out on the way and, you know, like cheering them on and everything. And then, you know, three months later, six months later, despite everyone's protests and beliefs that I'll never be coming back and I'll never use again, um, that the same men were kind of like coming back through the door. And so I think David's eyes and ears were open really to a lot of the reasons and a lot of the excuses and a lot of the whys and wherefores of, you know, why people were returning to prison when they wholeheartedly believed that, you know, this was the last sentence and they'd got everything that they needed. So I think what he'd seen was like a real lack of community support. So, you know, there was a great community in there, but then people are released into communities and there really isn't anything for them. Um, and that had been his experience as well. So he'd actually got really, he's a scouser you know, done a, lived in Liverpool all his life till he, till he came to this place. And, um, you know, himself, I mean, he, yeah, he, he, got, he got released in Lancaster and uh, had a really tricky time, you know, right at the start. So, you know, where do you make friends? You know, where is the support? Um, yeah, so I think, you know, the ideas kind of formed from there and then, you know, through his own experience and then working in services, you know, David kind of went straight into volunteering, working in services and again, you know, had his eye on a few things and thought, well, that doesn't work and that doesn't work. You know, a lot of things are within service hours, you know, and we all know that addiction doesn't take place between, you know, nine to five and Friday. But a lot of the support options, but I also think at the time, this had been my experience as well, there wasn't really anybody working in service who you could identify with. There was like a real, it was like a, 
a medical sort of approach, you know, to the problem. And I think there in some respects, you know, there is a medical element, you know, to addiction, but I think ultimately it's a, an emotional, um, spiritual, um, mental kind of problem, you see. And I think there was a lack of identification of people when you're in services. Um, so it's quite hard to have honest conversations um, with professionals because, they almost became transactional. I'll tell I'll I'll tell you what you want, so I can get what I want. And ultimately, as an addict, I want more drugs. I want more methadone. I want anything on top of my methadone. Um, and so, yeah, they were they were just quite hard um, relationships, you know, in which to be honest and kind of make any strides forward. So I think, um, I think collectively, you know, we were everybody who works for the well. Um, we're all in recovery you know we're all recovering drug addicts we're all recovering alcoholics we've all got a story to tell about a service that we've been in or a prison that we've been in or a certain doctor or a certain approach and you know we're not really looking to rubbish any of that or change any of that but there are gaps within all of those things and I think the the main gaps are out of our service provision being able to speak to like-minded people and being able to recover amongst your peers so yeah. And, and were you with Dave then? Were you married then when he was in, doing serving his last prison sentence? Or did you no, recover? No. The funny thing is, so just to the left here, yeah. I lived just down the hill. So I just, <laughs> I was going to an Amy, it was just to the left of here. So it's quite funny because all the while that he was in the castle, I'm kind of like trotting, trotting past there every day, you know, to go into town and one thing or another. And then when he got released, um, Six weeks, actually, after he was released, he, he came into the NA meeting um, that I was yeah, that I was going to, um, and it's and it's really quite funny because I'd actually gone to the meeting that night um, purely because my oldest two kids were doing me head in. And they were just fighting and they were, you know, and at the time, you know, any sort of noise, you know, I was quite chaotic myself, you know, quite new in recovery and stuff. I was like, I'm getting out, I'm getting out, I'm going out for an hour, you know, don't move kind of thing. And anyway, I'd gone to this meeting and Dave was in the meeting. Anyway, so, you know, this new, new boy, you know, that lot, you know, being new myself, I'm like, all right, and, and one thing or another. Anyway, we'd had a little bit of a chat and, and Dave was saying, um, because the, the pastor of the, the, the wing um, the recovery wing and the and the the Christian pastor, the reverend of the of the prison, um, he and her had struck up a really really good relationship. And one of the things that they'd seen to do, it might be an idea, was to create a, a church specifically for a group of people. Because um, I think you know, I mean, this is probably a separate conversation, but entering church when you're new in recovery. Um, especially female is a really really difficult thing to do so they've kind of seen that as one of the gaps and some a way that they could strengthen the community so David said oh we've got you know we've got a church going and do you want to come and all that lot and it was really funny because I rung my sister after the meeting and I went you know when you meet someone you know when people say they've just met the person they're going to marry I went that's how I feel but it wasn't a it wasn't a lust thing. I wasn't thinking, you know, yeah, I love a bit of him. Yeah. Just this, like, something's just happened. Something has just happened. And I remember ringing my sponsor saying, I've just met someone and I, and I think I'm going to marry <laughs> So this, I only had about a year in or something. She was like, oh, I forgot. You're mad. Yeah. I, I said, I'm like, I don't believe I'm mad. I just don't believe I'm mad. I really feel... Um, I feel quite strongly about this so anyway 
we got married. Oh, was Dave aware of this connection? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did he feel the same? No, I don't think he felt the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But it is, it is like a knowing, isn't it? It's like when you meet somebody, it's like, it's it's more than just a thought. It's a deep-rooted thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it felt it felt very real, and it and it was different to all my other um, all my other like sudden connections, which were largely rooted in oh yeah, you're pretty fit, yeah. you know, you know, kind of wanting something or you know um, wanting to get me on way uh, in some way. It was just it it was strange. It, it yeah, it threw me you know because I never felt like that. I mean, I weren't someone who every time I went out with someone thought this is the one or mm. um, yeah, so. How interesting. And then how long was it after that that you got married? Um, so we was together for six years. Um, yeah, but I mean, we was, I mean, we was together almost immediately. So again, you know, six weeks in, it was six weeks out of prison. I think I was still on my subutex at the time. So I wasn't even kind of clean, you know, by NA standards, although I've not drunk um, and taken drugs for about, probably about 13 months, I don't think. So you know, I suppose the odds were really stacked against us. You know, a lot of advice that we were getting is, oh, you need to stay away six weeks out of prison and, you know, you you need to focus on this and you need to focus on that. And, yeah, and we didn't, you know, we didn't. But, you know, who's to say? It, was, it wasn't the wrong thing to do, so. No, yeah. absolutely. It's beautiful. And look what's come come of it. You've got two yeah. beautiful little boys. Yeah. Um, got a fabulous project so tell me a bit more about the project and how that came about I know um like you were saying Dave really started thinking about the idea um fermented that was initiated whilst he was in prison but then what were the steps that you took well I think Dave so as I said um you know he'd kind of started volunteering and then working in services and he'd come back to work in a service locally because I mean a lot of time when you work in services you travel you know he would be going to Chorley and Skelmersdale which are you know a fair distance from where we lived and then he actually came back to Lancaster and worked in a service in Lancaster and you know could you know whilst he was in that service saying we need something for a Saturday I've got an idea I've got an idea anyway they wouldn't let him work on a Saturday they wouldn't let him um um, you know, like take some hours from the week and do it on a Saturday. So we had this idea that he was just ready to just go, right, I'm going to do this on a Saturday because I'll see what's needed. And they said no. Anyway, I mean, that's to our um, to our fortune, really, that they said no. And then um, we just thought, right, we'll just start, you know, we'll just, we'll just start with the social club idea because I think the main thing was um, in our early recovery, we were travelling to Blackburn and to St Hans, which are good, like, 45-minute journeys, one-hour journeys from where we live, because there wasn't really much recovery, you know, where we lived. There was a couple of NA meetings, but there wasn't a mass amount of socialising outside of that. Um, I think I may have mentioned this in, in our recovery chat the other day, but it was it's also really tough to just go to a couple of meetings a week and then and then be changed around your family because old families need to change so you can come home and be saying different things and having different ideas and trying your best you know to maybe not lose your temper and be a bit more patient and speak nicer of people these can all be like really strange changes you know for the families that you used to live in that that you used to live in so I think we wanted to just create a space where everybody could go so whether you've got a long time in recovery or whether you're new in recovery, whether you've just got to meetings, whether you've just left prison, whether you don't want anything to do with meetings, but it's somewhere where services, you know, can signpost you to. I think it was just about creating a recovering community um, that 
that really people could access, you know, with the children. So it started off as that. We, well, it was Dave. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I thought it was the worst idea I'd ever heard of. Um, <laughs> really did. I was just like, oh, I'm not going to a social club. Like, I, I'm, I'm not up for this. And I couldn't see, you know, I really couldn't see the point. I mean, I was on board immediately. You know, I was, um, you know, volunteered for a very long time. But, you know, Dave kind of stumped up the rent himself because he really believed in it. So first three months, he went, right, you know, per the first three months rent, we did have to charge people to come in £2.50. Um, so we needed 15 people to pay £2.50 to cover the rent. But when we first started, about nine of those people were volunteers, but they all paid £2.50. Oh, <laughs> bless them. I know, I know, because, you know, they believed in it as well. And then after three months, you know, we got some funding. I think we got our first pot of funding. And then, you know, from then on, the, the rest is history, really. So we just wow. started building on, yeah. On and how long ago was that, that you sort of started with that little seedling idea? Eight, eight and a half. Oh, and yeah. How old is my son? My, no, so seven and a half years ago. Wow. Was seven and a half years ago on a Saturday. And then when I mean, we did that for about 18 months, and then, because Dave and I were both still in work, I mean, we weren't paid by the well. We were, you know, we, other people got paid before we got paid. So I was working in a, I just didn't finish my degree and then was working in a children's home. And he was actually working for a, kind of like a prison representative service. And, Anyway, he'd been in the right place at the right time and there'd been some funding. Um, it was a, an idea for some funding to help people through the gates. So that's where the that's where we, we, we started the housing project in Barrow. So we went from the social club to the housing project in Barrow. So that was within about 18 months. So. Well, and was the social club in Barrow? No, no. Oh, wow, OK. So I know Barrow really well. That's where I grew up as a little girl. My grandparents lived there. So for me, I was thrilled when, when I found out that you were doing what you were doing in Barrow. And it was lovely to come and see the well. And it is an absolute godsend. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's it's critical. I mean, you know I'm in recovery. And it's so important that there are these places where people can be encouraged and motivated really towards change because that's what it's all about isn't it that's what that's the vibe I got when I came and sat in your group yeah yeah it really is and I think as well so you know we we some people do need to go away to rehab I mean Dave will always tell you he needed removing from society you know my experience was I didn't have the option you know nobody ever gave me the option to go to rehab or to go and have a little break you know somewhere else to get myself right but I don't know if that's because it's a male female thing but I was very much at home with my children uh I my probably recovery journey could have been a lot easier I mean if I was coming into recovery now in the area where we live you really are blessed because there are that many things going on and for us it is about recovering where you live you know I mean there are exceptions some people do need removing they need to build themselves back up build some family relationships build some build some recovery capital some social capital to then you know return to but I think if there is enough going on where you live there is no real reason there's no real reason to move because then a lot of people struggle with the return home. Whereas if you've recovered in your own community and there's support there for the family as well, 
and you're used to walking past all the places where you would have scored from and all the places that hold the bad memories and the off licenses and the nightclubs and you know the ex-boyfriends and you know everything that comes with that kind of lifestyle if, if you're kind of walking past those things and dealing with those triggers on a daily basis um, you're going to be okay but quite often going away to a rehab and then returning home again completely changed being away removed from society for six months and then you just get plonked back, back into what you have known some people can find it really really difficult so we're just always looking to make um, places much better and you know enable people to have lots of access to support so they can recover where they live yeah and and I think it's I really do think it's important that it's visible too because I think um like you say you know when people have been problematic in the community um I'm not saying everybody's problematic but you know in some cases people and their um, drug use and drinking may have caused problems in the community I mean what what an absolute uh, inspiration it is then to see so to destigmatize the recovery process. that's why I'm so open and honest and do so much in the community like yourselves around visible recovery because if people don't know it exists how are they gonna how are they gonna know that there's hope I know and and that's been my experience and I found so I mean not so much now because it's probably a good 14 years now since I've used but very much in my early days of recovery, a lot of the people that I used to use with, they just cheer you on because people either die, leave or they die. And that you, you don't really hear of, oh God, have you seen that? And they've turned their life around and, you know, they look great or they've got, you know, this is happening or this is happening. It's just all of a sudden when you're in like a, a an addict kind of community, people just disappear. You never know. And that's what I say, you either assume the dead gone to prison or they've moved you know um recovered or doing well um is never really an option you know in that kind of way of thinking of where people have gone so I found you know a lot of people you know really really rooted for me and they'd be like don't talk to us go away (laughs) get away from us have you got a fag but go away go away kind of thing you know and you know keep doing what you're doing and then what has happened is a lot of these people are still coming into services um, and we've just had a lad recently, you know, who I used to use with and we'd seen him um, busking on the streets in Lancaster, you know, like in really quite a, quite a desperate state. And it was only about three weeks ago and he went, I've had enough, I've had oh. enough. And it's like, well, you know, we'll see what we can do, you know. And anyway, he's in Barrow now, he's in yeah. Barrow. But I just think, you know, how nice to be able to, you know, to be able to do that for people and then you're not actually promoting any sort of message other than going and doing your business, not taking drugs, doing quite well where you live. Yeah. Yeah. And getting on with recovery really, because you've got to invest time and energy in it. And that's what I loved about your project in Barrow was it was really quite um, set out normally, like, you know, like a normal life, but with real clear, healthy structure as well. You know, um, getting up, going to the gym, um, you know, going to to groups, um, supporting one another, helping in the house, you know, all of those things that that we we take for granted. But but people, when they're in early early stage recovery, they they don't realise that that's all part of it. Um, And then, you know, encouraging them to go to 12 step meetings. I think that's part of the regime, isn't it, that that you encourage is that um, daily attendance at 12 step meetings. Yeah, and that and for us, I think because it's it's the one thing collectively for us as a team. I think there may only be one or two that don't 
that are not in fellowship, um, which is fine. You know, their, their, their recovery is their recovery. But I think it's something, uh, I think the faith element, I think the power greater element, I think having a programme, um, that's something that worked for all of us because we all come from a long line of failed attempt, failed attempt, failed attempt, failed attempt. And I think that's where we all landed. Um, so for, I mean, whilst we do, you know, we do encourage other methods for our project, for our housing project. I mean, if you come to the hubs, it's very, very different. You know, we've got lots of support groups that aren't rooted in fellowship, that aren't rooted in faith, that aren't rooted in the concept of a power greater. Um, the kind of, you know, based on recovery capital, behaviour change and, you know, all the, all, the diff all the concepts kind of away from fellowship. But the housing, our housing in our day ab structure is very much built around 12 steps because it's the one thing that worked for all of us. But I mean, in that, Claire, I think we've, I mean, we did a, we did a report the other day. I think we've got 48% success rate after a year, 48% of people yeah. still clean after a year. That's amazing, isn't it? That's a miracle in itself, you know. Yeah, and if you was a betting person, you know, I mean, not to, you know, some of your other kind of treatment kind of facilities and stuff, you know, they don't have those figures. They don't have those figures. You can go on the websites. That's not me saying they don't have it. You, you know, you can kind of like go on the websites and do a little bit of digging yourself. But, you know, to 48% of people who've come through to still be absent after a year, it's a huge success. It's phenomenal. It mm -hmm. really is phenomenal. I think it's great. I do love what you're doing. And, you know, I'm a massive, a massive champion of yours, you know, um, and that's why I came to see what you were doing because yeah. it was, I loved what... Uh, and, and love what I'd read and what I'd seen and I just wanted to see it in the flesh you know it's um inspirational to be part of it um so tell me a little bit more about your hubs because obviously now with this pandemic that we're going through everybody's struggling I mean I'm getting like I was telling you the other day I'm getting I'm inundated with phone calls phone calls that I never used to get from yeah. people that I've possibly worked with in the corporate sector who yeah. are now struggling a lot, so high-functioning addicts. So tell me a little bit about how you're dealing um, with this whole pandemic experience. Okay, so hubs, I mean, hubs are, because we started with hubs and the, you know, places for, you know, people in recovery in the community. So, you know, our, our, our model... Um, is very much underpinned, you know, by these spaces. So obviously with this happening and you've got to close your doors, um, how are we then going to reach people? So we've took the hubs to a digital platform. Um, so we've got one that's actually starting a Fleetwood one at 11 o'clock today. Um, I mean, it's not been easy, Claire, because, you know, there's different demographics of people, you know, in different areas. So some of our um, in one of our areas, the the average age of the attendees is much higher, um, say, than those in Lancaster. So trying to help people move to a digital platform, mm. it's really, really difficult. I mean, all of us who sit down and use computers every day have struggled with Zoom. I didn't even know you could do a WhatsApp conference call before people, you know, till all this. Um, so what, you know, what we are trying to do is, is set up hubs. So in each of the locations where we had a physical hub, where people could come and, you know, visit us on a weekly basis, and um, we're trying to replicate that in a, in a digital platform. So this week we'll have four. I think we had eight to get up and running. Oh, no, five, actually. We will have done five of those this week. But what we're having to look at is uh, how well they work. You know, how, how well are they working? And, 
are in some of the areas, are we reaching, you know, enough people and what kind of value? Because I think it's all well and good going, right, this is what we're going to do. You know, we can totally kind of transport our service digitally. But the one of the big things for us is, is about feeling, it's about experience. You know, it's very much about our, our branding um, because I think branding is very much a, a feeling and an experience. It's like, we'll go to certain places. I mean, for me, rightly or wrongly, I love Starbucks. Um, and I know they don't pay the tax and everything, but I really like Starbucks. And the one thing about Starbucks is no matter where you go in the world, you know what you're getting. I know what my oat milk latte is going to taste like. And that's why I go, because I know what I'm going to get. And I think for so very long, people know what they're going to get from us. And mm. then now we've moved to this digital, um, which is at the moment, it's the best that we can do. But we don't know yet that it's working. Now, I know in some areas it's working and we're getting some really, really good feedback. Um, but it's are people valuing the um, the digital interactions? You know, would people really rather have the phone calls? Um, so we're, we're kind of work, trying to work out really what people want from us. And I think when you've got in your groove, um, I don't know about you, Claire, but you just work instinctively. A lot of things you don't have to think about. You just know that's the next right thing, that's the next right thing, and that's the ways that you kind of go through your day. But in doing this, nothing feels instinctive. Yeah. So the smallest decisions feel like we've really, really got to think about them and where we felt like we were in our groove and we've created something that people love. Um, and we know they love it because so many people come and attend, you know, they, they turn up week in, you know, we see, we see hundreds of people, you know, week in, week out on various different sites. Um, but it's, I suppose what it's trying to do is create that same experience, that same feeling and that same pull to what we do in this way and, and it's not easy yeah so if, if anybody's watching this and they want to to get into contact with one of your hubs or they want to find out a little bit more mm-hmm. how would they go about it Kerry okay well I mean there's there's various ways I mean we've got our websites so you could contact us on our website so that's www.thewellcommunities.co.uk yeah. we have got our so we've got two head offices, two main offices. We've got one in Barrow, one in Morecambe. Really bad with phone numbers for these because I never ring them. Um, but what I can, yeah, so you, you would contact there. We're on Twitter. So you could follow us on Twitter, which is at the, the, the well too. And then we've got our Facebook page. So there are loads of ways that you can find out um, what we're doing. I mean, your, your best protocol is generally the Facebook page or the the two phone numbers. Okay. Um, and, and we can put those under this once we've posted yeah. this, because we're pre-recording this and we're going to put yeah. it on Facebook yeah. via YouTube. We're going to put, upload it to YouTube. And then what we can do is when we post it on our page, um, we, can, we can put the numbers underneath any contact information, can't we? Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. So, um, yeah, and then you would get directed. So whichever area you was interested in, there would be, we would have a community connector, you know, working in that area, that specific region that could direct you, you know, to where it is that you wanted to be. But I would say to anyone who's kind of coming at this from out of town, I mean, all hubs are different, you know, because they're made up of different people that have got different needs. So they don't all follow the same format. So, you know, what I've said to people is, even say people who were working with in Chorley who wouldn't otherwise get to Lancaster, come and join a Lancaster hub. 
come and see some faces out of town because what would be a really nice thing to do is when all this is over you could then physically pay a visit to that hub and you've made some friends you know outside of this you can put some faces to name so do a bit of a hub hop yourself and you know get around and meet people yeah and find out what what suits you and what I also love about what you do um is that you really encourage family engagement as well can you tell us just a little bit about that before we finish yeah so family I mean one of our directors Polly Polly Parker she actually volunteered in service where Dave worked in Preston years and years ago you know before we started the well um and so family um you know as soon as Dave came up with this idea she was very much on board um you know their daughter had uh, become an alcoholic you know these were two teachers you know like kids had seemingly had like you know really stable life you know they've gone to private school and one thing another and then lo and behold you know one of the children turns out to be an alcoholic which was just complete shock you know like how, how does this happen you know how does this happen to us so Polly being Polly you know kind of got involved went to get some support got involved in services and worked alongside Dave and was just really really on board with the idea so she's been one of our directors you know, right from the start. So right at the well's very conception, um, the kind of, the, the thread of family has been there right at the start of it. I mean, I think from our own experience of needing a place for our own families to come and to understand what's going on. But then I think also with having, you know, Polly on board as well, who is a big champion, you know, member of, um, well, I probably shouldn't say because it's anonymity, but, you know, fellowships and things. Family fellowships that support people. Yeah, so that's always been right at the heart of what we do. And, you know, with the hubs, the guys who come through our through our housing, so with the, with the Barra housing, you know, it's kind of like quite a long way away. You know, some people do actually travel to get there. So the hubs will be used as spaces where family members can come and visit because sometimes that journey is just a little bit you know it's a little bit too long to take and then there's a structure in place so Saturdays are dedicated to families as well so a lot of the first stages will come to the hubs on a Saturday and then their families and the children um, get to come and spend some time with them and kind of all recover together really so we kind of help facilitate um, now none of us are specialist family workers but we've all worked on putting our families back together um, yeah and I think that's in, I think that personally from yeah. my own experience, yeah. I think that's far outweighs yeah. professionals coming in and yeah. trying to fill it. That lived experience, that's why I love what you do. That's why I do what I do. Everything that you do and that I do, it's all yeah. to do with lived experience. It's not about professionals coming in and doing for. It's about, look, you know, I'm not saying that my way is the right way, but this is what worked for me. And these are the roads I took and these are the connections I made. You know, if you're getting important that these spaces are open to families as well because there are so many places where only the individual can go to that family members can never really step foot in and um, so they never really get to understand so I think it's just just to have a social element to it because I don't think that um, a lot of recovery takes place really in a therapeutic com- conversation or like a one-on-one therapeutic conversation but if you've got like a a recovery focused therapeutic environment where everyone's committed where people are kind of wearing their heart on the sleeves you know directing people in the right way holding their hand arm around the shoulder I think that just sort of environment not right we're going to sit down for an hour and we're going to look at this it's not really how a lot of the things work it's just being around and having an environment where everyone's doing this and everyone continues to do this you know I think you know, building your families back up after you've been in addiction, 
takes a very, very, very long time. And I'm nowhere complete in that process. Um, but a day at a time, you know, I'm closer to it. So Yeah. We're all on a road. We're all on a do you know what I've discovered in, in recovery is it isn't an end. There isn't an end. It's a process of living and learning to live and utilising all these amazing tools, meeting people who might share something with you and it'll get you and you just think, oh, wow. You know, that's 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 recovery and it's ongoing. And the, the further down the line, I mean, I've been sober, 20, clean and sober 22 years this year. And you know what? The longer I'm sober, the less I think I know. You know, because I think... We're just learning all the time about ourselves, aren't we? And, and applying all these amazing things that we, we learn and letting go of some things that don't work and, you know. As well, I think in my experience, Claire, is you have a growth spurt and then you get a little bit stable and then you live in the new things that you've learned about yourself and then when all your ducks are lined up, then something else seems to happen. So another issue that wasn't an issue till till you could find space, you know, to address the issue, um, kind of like opens up so I found I've changed you know I've changed so much um, but I just think if you just keep moving forward you do get the opportunities to really unravel everything and, and see what's gone on and you know and cope with life on life's terms isn't it that's the whole purpose of it you know like you say life happens you know births deaths you know yeah. Stuff that we've never dealt, I'd never dealt with any of those sorts of things in, in active addiction. So when those started to emerge in recovery, it was like a whole new ball game. But thanks goodness I've got, you know, tools in place and acquired new ones along the way. You know, I said, do whatever it takes. My, 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 my message to everybody always is do whatever it takes, you know have counselling, go to rehab, you, you know, go to as many meetings as you can, you know, if, it, if go to church, go to the synagogue, whatever it takes. Yeah, that's oh, it's so lovely to speak to you, Kerry. I'm, I'm really aware that you've got to go and open one of your hubs. Yeah. So um, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really, I love speaking to you. I consider you one of my friends now, so. Well, I'm <laughs> oh yeah I do I do I love you both I think you're both hysterical as well I think you are proper uh good people doing great work um but with a really nice heart and a fabulous sense of humor yours and Dave's so yeah it's lovely to see you sweetie thank you and you and thank you for coming see you soon bye bye, bye. Kennedy Street, please visit Kennedy Street at www.kennedystreetcio.org. Recovery does exist. <laughs>